everybody. Hi. Welcome to If It's Gay, We Play. Uh, the podcast where we're recording a introduction probably about, I don't know, one to two weeks after yeah, we recorded so the episode. Here's what's happening in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Kai and has, around the world. Yeah. Kai has a pretty bad migraine, so I, yes. can, I can do most of the talking if you want. Cool. I'll pop in. Unlike usual, am I right? Oh, hey. Listen, oh, listeners, hey. We're, I'm aware of the problem that I have. It's called ADHD. So here's what's happening in Denver, Colorado, and around the world. Uh, Denver is one of the, it is the fifth most infected city in the Mm -hmm. United States, though. So perhaps particularly in Denver, unless you live in Washington or like New New York York or like like Chicago, San Francisco, Francisco, LA, et cetera, is uh, you may have heard of this little thing called COVID-19. Or SARS coronavirus 2. Yes, SARS coronavirus. The sequel. The sequel to SARS coronavirus. So we are on quarantine in our home. We have, Kai has been since, have been since March, March 6th. 6th. And it, as we were recording this, it is March 22nd. Oops. I've been on quarantine for about a week. Um, I have had to leave to do a couple of errands, unfortunately, for the household. Um, shout out to Nutrivegan Market, though, for uh, being the best and not only setting aside groceries for us, but for uh, delivering them to our house. Um, Nooch is the best if you live in Denver, go there. So we recorded the episode that you're about to hear like two-ish weeks ago. When I was still quarantined. Yeah, Kai was in quarantine, but Generally speaking, the average population member who is not immunocompromised was not yeah. um, in the United States. Yeah. To, when we last recorded, I remember because when we last recorded an episode, mm-hmm. I still wasn't allowed to make jokes about coronavirus. Yeah, because it was giving me such bad anxiety because... Funnily enough, and this is something that I've heard for a lot of other folks with anxiety, uh, my anxiety went down after people started, like, going on lockdown and, you know, things started collapsing more. But before anything happened, I was, like, way more anxious. Yeah, well, you you are, I would describe as a hypochondriac, which you're not being hypochondriac about this. I'm just saying that, like, you are a hypochondriac who has OCD and is terrified of the apocalypse. So, like, the, the first whisper on the wind, you were already pretty yes. badly freaking out so uh around december to january when i first read about it yeah um do you you do that with every yes. disease you read about 100 percent correct um it's just that you were right about this one yeah one out of 99 so i <laughs> i am allowed to make jokes about it now yes and you'll probably hear some jokes about it because that's how we cope as queers specifically and i think as a community and, and uh, I think as a disabled immunocompromised person who's been dealing with a lot of this stuff for a while, yeah. um, lightly teasing the idea that um, people are now for the first time realizing how difficult it is to socially distance and deal with um, being particularly sensitive to a particular strain of illness is, uh, is interesting for me to watch, definitely. Totally. So we rec- all of this is to say we recorded the episode you're about to hear about two weeks ago. Um, so you are going to hear a very different world world than the one that we live in now on March 22nd in the year of our Lord Satan 2020. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have more, I don't want to say coronavirus specific, COVID specific content in terms of like, we're not fucking scientists. We're obviously not going to be teaching no. you anything about COVID. Go to other podcasts for that. Go to Ologies or this podcast will kill you, which their episode is actually quite out of date, but they're doing an update episode. Yeah. Soon. There's they're a just, lot of important information. They're very places. busy as disease researchers <laughs> yeah what like, we're gonna we're gonna be talking more about i think the sociological side of what it is we're like just gonna to be telling you quarantine we're yeah, gonna be telling just, you what we're up what to we're gonna tell you we're gonna tell you what we're up to we're actually gonna start a twitch stream we had a production meeting this morning and uh we are going to uh provide you with some some hopefully some like game of the decade content some best games to play where you're quarantined which is a list that is one entry long and it's called animal crossing new horizons yeah if you got a switch that's the thing it's the fucking best um, game i have it. been we, waiting for this game for two years kai and i played it take t- like separately on our our individual switches for like nine hours yesterday almost in uninterruptedly yeah, yesterday it was amazing it was uh yeah not sunny enough to go outside in a yeah, related note. it was um there was a blizzard actually no yesterday it was just cloudy yeah but shit. there was a blizzard the day before yeah it's spring and Colorado. Yeah. So anyway, all of this is to say that uh, we'll be is, playing more video games. Yeah. This is like a regular. The episode you're about to hear is like a regular episode, and then you're gonna hear more like quarantine, qu- hot 
quarantine content yeah uh as the weeks go on my industry uh all of all tattoo and piercing shops in the state of colorado if not the city and county of denver it mm-hmm. might be the whole state are shut down through may 1st uh or through april 30th so we can open again on may 1st yeah so um i certainly will have plenty of time on my hands and I'll be working 40 to 50 hours a week in the nonprofit industry until they make us shut down, too, because uh, we're not quite there yet, folks. Yeah. Or until you have no more, like, there's, no, there's everybody, no all clients. your clients are shut down. So yeah. there's, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, follow Soul Tribe on social media if you want to see how we're going to attempt to sell jewelry online during this time. And uh, follow us on social media at Gay Gamers to see what we're up to during quarantine. We've already got some... I've done a couple funny little stories, so yeah. uh, don't miss it. Yeah, and I just want to um, say to all of our listeners out there that we will be here to provide you with um, as soothing of content as possible, like the kind of content that I would want to be listening to um, at this at this difficult time, because I do acknowledge while um, I am lately poking fun at a lot of abled people, like this is super difficult, like this is unprecedented and it's really hard. Um, especially when you're like a part of, um, you know, queer or chosen family and you're not able to see your chosen family in person right now, or if you're in an unsupportive or abusive household. So like we're with you and we believe in you and we love you very much. Which is to say, if you're listening to this and you're still hanging out with your friends, you're a fucking monster. Stop it. Stop it. Don't hang out with your friends right now. Just don't do it. You're not a monster. Just please don't do it. It's not helpful. Um... But separately from that, yeah, we will be here uh, providing the soothing or at least entertaining content yeah, that you crave. That good I personally cannot promise to be soothing. That's not really my sort of role yeah. in this creative partnership. But uh, yeah, we love you. We do. And enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. Bye. Um, hello and welcome to If It's Gay We Play. Hot and fresh. I wasn't even in media res. I was just quietly sitting with my, like, face on my hands. Not, like, touching my face, but, like, touching sort of my chin and neck area. <laughs> touching um, your elbows do not touch to your the face. table. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, you Sorry, would, my bad. See, you would think that you having headphones on would create help you uh, create less Except bad audio. Except for the fact but... that I'm deaf and cannot hear when I am making bad audio. And by deaf, I mean exceptionally hard of hearing. Yes. We'll be, we'll be deaf eventually. Yes. Anyway, welcome to Fitzgay We Play, the podcast where we try to start in media res every time and sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not. Yeah. More importantly, the podcast that is supposed to be a weekly podcast, but life gets in the way. Uh, so we've, We're working on it. Yeah. We just kind of had to take this one by the reins. Uh, Aaron is not here. He probably won't be here in this one. Um, we might get a little air and update if we're lucky. Yeah, we, pro- we probably will. Warnings about when the recording's stopping or finishing. Hello, my name is Kai. You heard me being referenced as a dipshit. My pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Hannah, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Welcome to our podcast. To our podcast. That's supposed to be a weekly podcast, and will be again someday soon. We hope. We promise. Uh, It's hard. (laughs) It's been hard. I mean, as we're spending more time on the inside of our house, I imagine we'll start to go stir crazy and want to develop a connection to the outside world. Are we spending more time on the inside of our house? I am. Yeah, you are. I'm not planning on doing any such thing. Thanks I know. very much. It's springtime. It's nice outside. I'm I going... don't mean physically inside, inside the house. I mean, like, on our property, you know? Yeah, I'm also going to, like, go out to the park and stuff. Like, I mean, who knows? City might get shut down. Yeah, yeah, but they don't shut, like, they don't shut down the outdoors. Like, you can still walk around. They're, they're, sometimes when they shut down cities, they say that you are not allowed to leave your residence. That's not going to happen. Well, 
it's, uh, yeah. that is super not going to happen for this one. I, I promise you, I bet all the money I have that that is not going to happen in Denver, Colorado. So anyway, my anxiety is at an all-time high as an immunocompromised person is basically exactly what this podcast intro is about. Yeah. Um, Ka- there's and Kai's the anxiety thing- and separately your paranoia is at an all-time yes, high, which thing- also anxiety is not necessarily uh, rational. But. Yeah, no, it's fair. So the thing that um, I watched just a couple of minutes ago was on last week tonight and john oliver said should should you be scared a little bit yes but it needs to be somewhere between the happy balance of not gargling with bleach which is something that some people think prevents coronavirus which will actually kill you and please don't do that again and just um and licking subway poles so like somewhere in between there is the happy medium and i'm working on finding that because currently i'm gargling bleach (laughs) Yeah, I think the happy medium is, 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 it's, I mean, when I say the happy medium, those are two radically different ends of the I know. spectrum. The happy medium That's is more, yeah, the happy medium is more in between like not washing your hands and stockpiling weeks of food. Yeah. Yeah. Spending $800 at the grocery store because I don't know who would do that. Kai has a, a, a little bit of a problem, listeners. Dear listeners, it's 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 not a so, joke, but it also is a joke. So what I think I uh, want to the energy that I want to bring to this episode is acknowledgement that there is fear and that there is anxiety in right. the world and in individuals, especially those of us when there are divergences that make us kind of, you know, predisposed to be anxious about these types of things like my OCD, my my fear that I like you know, punish myself for or experience stuff surrounding is to do with the apocalypse. And oftentimes that's pandemic. So that explains a lot about me. But also, um, I think that we need reprieves from constant barraging of the media and social media about information about this. So this is the last time that you will hear about this from us this episode. That's a Kai Monahan guarantee. So I'm not allowed to make coronavirus jokes. No, you are not. But why? If I can't joke because about it. Because it makes me anxious, and I also want our listeners to not have to think about that for the rest of I the mean, episode. I mean, that's, that's We are fair. a safe space for people. That's the fair. All I'm saying is that, like, the way you and I cope with everything is, is jokes, jokes. And I know that's and camp. I, that's I am gay. not allowed. I, this is the only thing I've ever not been allowed to make any jokes about. On this episode. And it also in general and in general, yes, that's one of my rules because it um it really genuinely hurts me. And like the other night when one of our friends when we were out just kind of offhandedly mentioned it, it like sent me into an absolute spiral panic I attack. I know. I know you know, but I'm telling our listeners also. I know. So like that's that's why I'm avoiding it. And I'm sure people can empathize with that. Um so this one's for you, fellow paranoid par- paramaniacs. Paranoiances, paranoids, like the noid. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not. This will. This conversation will be the last of it Mm -hmm. on this episode. Uh I'm just saying that, like, for me and my part, I'm not going to tell anybody how to cope with it. I think personally, me, Hannah Young, thinks you, Kai Monahan, needs to be able to joke about it because it will normalize it into something tolerable in your brain. Because this is the only thing you won't let yourself make jokes about. I will be able to get there someday, but this is very similar to the purpose and reasoning behind trigger warnings. Yeah, no, completely. Um, And choosing at what times you are able to engage with and not engage with that content. And presently, I am not able to engage with that content, but perhaps in the future, once I develop better coping mechanisms, which I am working on with my therapist and psychiatry team, I might. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I just I, I, I just want to make that very clear that that is where my boundary is. I know. I understand. Excellent. So I think I would like to jump into our first segment, our, our uh, initial sego, um, and then we can move on, you know, into the topic at hand. But what is the gayest thing that you've done this week, do you think, Hannah? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, Thank it's, you. It's been a hot minute again since we recorded. Mm-hmm. So the gayest thing I've done, I feel like I've been too busy to be particularly gay. Can I tell you oh. the gayest thing that we've done since the last time we recorded? Yeah, but mine's, mine's different and it's going to top it. Um, was the burlesque show have we recorded since then with all of our friends maybe but please let me talk because the thing i have is actually much more important oh uh my 13 year old cousin came out to me as a lesbian oh yes that is more important it is objectively more important. at at first i was like what the fuck could be more important than watching our friends do sexy no mine is serious mine is is real and mine is definitely serious but yes yours Yours involves a lot more 
is serious about butts and titties. Yes. Uh, mine is actually <laughs> mine is actually serious about a queer youth. Wonderful. For, for once, I'm the one with something serious to talk about God on forbid. this podcast. Tell me more. Uh, uh, yeah, my 13 year old cousin. We were at dinner for her. I so I went to San Francisco for my grandma's funeral, which is a huge part of why we haven't been recording because that was extremely all consuming, uh, leading up to and during because grief. Uh, well, grief. More. Imp- it was actually less about that. I was fine with the grief. The thing I was not fine with was the idea of spending like four consecutive days with my parents grief uh, like i said yeah trauma giving you grief to get trauma yeah in in uh our in airbnb uh but it turned out to actually be fine it was fine my uh uh mother she doesn't listen to this podcast my mother was only a huge my mother was only a gigantic bitch about something like a couple times and one of the times yeah for no reason at all which is she takes her stress out on me. That's why it seems to be, as far as I can figure out, why she had a child. <laughs> um, and so, but I told her on like the first day, this is also very queer. I was like, mm. it's my weekend was just very whatever. Um, and I told her that she was taking my stress, her stress out on me and it was making me feel like shit. And she said that uh, she uh, apologized and wasn't going to do it anymore. Remarkable. And not only did she apologize, but please correct me if I'm wrong, she did not do it anymore, which is one of the key parts of an apology. Yes. Yeah. She didn't do it anymore for the most part for the rest of the, the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one other thing where she was just a gigantic bitch for no reason. Sure, sure, sure. It happens to the best of us. It is, it's, well, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was actually pretty great in being around uh, my step family, my dad's stepdad's side of the family. What you looking at? I'm swallowing away from the mic. Oh, thank you. I thought you were inspecting something on the table. It nope. Like, it's just cords. I'm. Um, and. Uh, oh. What the fuck was I talking about? Queer youth. Your right. cousin so we were at, yeah, we were at queer. My cousin's 13th birthday party, which was also that weekend. Oh, wow. You didn't mention that part. I did, actually. Oh, you. I, I did not pick up on the fact that it was like a birthday party as well. I mean, it was a dinner party. That yeah. was in part for her birthday. Oh, that okay. I didn't realize. Yeah, I knew it was a dinner. I did not realize that there was. It wasn't party. really a. It wasn't I really see, a party. I, see, I just I see, said see, the see, word see. party. Um, at her birthday dinner, fucking pedantic little. I'm shit. sorry. It doesn't matter. At her 13th birthday dinner, she came out to me as a big lesbian. Is were her words that she used, um, and it was pretty fantastic. Very we mean girls had a lot of uh, conversation about like queer identity and like I mean she's she's 13 so she knows more about the internet than I ever will and like kids know like my 10 year old cousin also like knew how to ask questions about like queerness and gender and like genuinely listened to my responses then I have a 15 year old cousin who I'm not sure if he's out but he's extremely like femme and camp Um, which doesn't necessarily mean a person's gay but if it's this one's kind of a it's kind of a screaming disco ball. Mm. Uh, also, he was asking me all these questions about teaching him how to be vegan because he's been vegan for like a year. And when my 13-year-old lesbian cousin was describing a fight she saw at her middle school, my uh, between quote-unquote some sassy girls, my 15-year-old cousin said in this exact voice, it's just like a big sassy mess. So I'm just saying it doesn't make a person gay, but... Cutting my hair short didn't make me gay. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was a really, really special weekend. Uh, and then I got home, and then we. I made food. I think. That's I mean, what it, do, it doesn't. That was the end of my weekend. Oh, okay. That, that was really the end of the I story. I was just gonna start going into the course of our yeah, next week, where we I picked d- you up from the airport and I made you food. To, yeah, yeah okay. we don't need to do that. All right, um, so yeah, that's the gayest thing I've done this week. The other gayest thing we've done mm. is find two new queer roommates to live in our house. Oh yes, that was the one that I was gonna do. Um, our yeah, you go. our Philadelphia. Wait, we can pause then. Hey, Kai. Hey, Hannah. What's the gayest thing you've done this week? The gayest thing that I've done this week, thank you for asking, is um, totally organically. Yeah, very organically. Was find uh, two new queer roommates for our home. Philadelphia 3.0, folks, is going to be uh, here queer. And full of animals. <laughs> um, even more animals than last time, even, where, wherein we had one animal, but now we have more animals, we and have... all of them are emotional support animals, yeah. which is just goddamn adorable. Yeah. And they're all very cute. And I'm certain with 
my entire heart and soul that they will disturb us while we are podcasting just as much as Tori did, if yes. not more, yes. which is what the listeners are here for in my yes. mind. Um, but I think it's just really important to be excited about that because um, I think that something that is very important to me uh, just generally all the time is queer community and having like a, a safe and defined home space. And there is genuinely, genuinely, genuinely no time when I feel more comfortable and safe than when I am surrounded by queer people and also Charles. Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. Um, so like the fact that this is something that we'll be achieving in our own home is, um, you know, just really deeply fulfilling. Oh, and I know that you're just as excited about yeah. it as I am I'm because very, very I know that this is something that both of us really believe in. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really fucking beautiful and cool that when not everyone wants to move into a home where two people who live in that home are together, but it really goes to show how fucking chill we are that our third upstairs roommate is so on board. So on board. So deeply yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. board. And that makes me very happy. Hey, Hannah. Yeah, Kai. Sorry, that was way harsher no, than I expected really it funny. to be. <laughs> um, what you playing this week? Yeah. Uh, what, are you, what are you playing this week? Wow, sorry. Danielle's going to put me in such bad podcast jail. I'm swallowing a lot on this on this one. And Danielle did hear me say on podcast, I am leaning away from the mic to swallow. Why did that taste so bad? What I don't I just know. Smoked? You got bad taste buds. Yeah, excuse you. I have perfect taste buds. I'm a super taster. Just tell me what you're playing. You tasteless bitch. I have been playing a lot, a lot of Mario Kart. It's Go my on. newest kart racing obsession. And I know now, having played a lot of it, that Mario Kart 8 is in every way superior to Crash Team Racing. There's just a lot more heart that in it. That is correct. I just, the more, playing Crash Bandicoot as an adult, it's just, it's kind of soulless. It's kind of nothing. Well, it, you know, something else about Sony versus Nintendo, I feel, is that Nintendo focuses more on the haptics and the feel mm -hmm. of the game. Because playing Mario Kart with you last night, I was thinking about the fact that, like, Crash Team Racing doesn't feel bad, but it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. It feels fine. Yeah. And having played hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, having, so we talked about this on a recent episode, my, the way I hyper-focus on games. So my, my mm -hmm. hyper-focus sadness addiction game for mm -hmm. a while was Crash Team Racing, so yeah. I got really good at it. So now I'm really good at Kart, uh, Kart Mario, Mario Kart, uh, but it's not but, and it has a lot more like heart and joy and like the levels it has a lot more re there are fewer levels but like because each level works a little it just there's more heart yeah, to yeah, it yeah. i'm sure i'll get bored of it at some point but i'm having a lot of fun playing online because the other thing about it is that it's crash team racing there's the different levels of difficulty and it feels like medium is way too easy and hard is fucking impossible mm. and just for whatever reason online racing and crash team racing like i i've never won it's like so it feels fucking impossible for no reason at all other than I, I really don't know why it's it's just not as good a game whereas uh mario kart i have won so like i feel like the online racing is a genuine challenge but not an impossible like i have fun playing it because mm -hmm. i know i can win even if I'm on a losing streak. And That's it has great. this wonderful feature that Kai and I have been using where you can play two players online. So I love that. It's wonderful. Kai and I are sitting in the same room and we are playing against a bunch of people Yeah, online. it's really fun. It's really fun. And that's what I've been playing. Mario Kart, a little bit of uh, Pokemon Go. It's been very sunny and nice in Denver. Mm -hmm. So I've, I went to the park this weekend to go for some Pokemon, rode my bike. That's what I've been playing, mostly Mario Kart. Hey, Kai. Hey, what are you playing? I am presently playing a lot of Tetris Effect, but also a lot of board games. Um, a board oh, game that's true. I've been playing that, a lot of yeah, tabletop games. Yeah, we've been playing games. a lot of tabletop games. So a, a tabletop game that I semi-recently, within the past like four months, acquired is Arkham Horror, which is by uh, Call of Cthulhu. And it is an excellent, excellent, excellent RPG where you are collaborating with um, other players on a very large, um, expansive board that has a lot of like Lovecraftian names and references because it's a Lovecraftian game. Yes. Um, it's called Arkham Horror, and yeah. uh, you basically play as different investigators trying to um, sort of stymie this uh, this horrific uh, otherworldly invasion of this town and this god that is behind it all, and then eventually you inevitably lose and have to get into uh, like however many players v 
god and it's almost impossible to win and i've only won it once and i think i've played it like five times which is not too bad statistics 20 percent um but anyway we won the first time we played it because oh oh, yeah because we we prevented the what no we didn't well we just we didn't we didn't know the rules we just didn't know all the rules also whatever house rules that's the great thing about tabletop games is house rules over are always it's much so i've won i've won 40 percent of the time which is great um but anyway uh it's no two-fifths is 40 percent carry on (laughs) Sorry, I had to do some math. No, I get it. I, uh, I've i just been really enjoying that and really enjoying time spent with um, community and friends in that way. Uh, I think board games are a delight. They are. That's what I've been playing. That's true. Board games are a delight. I'm very excited. Our new, uh, at least one of our new queer roommates is so much of a gamer that he works at a, a tabletop games and otherwise nerd shit store mm-hmm. uh, called the Wizard's Chest in Denver. Uh, and so I'm sure that you'll see slash, well, you'll, you probably won't see him on the podcast because it's an audio medium, but you may or may not hear him on the podcast at some point. Yeah. What I'm saying is there's going to be a lot of, of games game. The game quotient in this household is just going to skyrocket because so many goddamn games. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very good. The last time that we played as many games was when Aaron lived with us, but also Aaron was never home. So didn't play as many games. Um, so I would like to move into our main segment. I'm hoping I would like to pause and say, okay, great. Okay. So Kai, you have a, a, a return to form actually. For yes, a, I've been doing research. It's almost our three, or not three, whew, oh, two Christ year alive, anniversary yeah. of this podcast. Of course, we've obviously missed many weeks because this is episode 61. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that's not good. No, it's really bad. <laughs> okay, sorry, everybody. We took like four months off. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, back in the olden days when we used to do research-based episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something I would like to start instituting again now that I'm working from home and have the ability to do so. Um, so what I have been really captured by this week has been sort of uh, a jumble of thoughts that have been happening in my brain over the course of the past year that um, has never really fully occurred to me to do a segment on these other aspects of queerness that I haven't fully investigated in terms of our podcast medium. So like a while ago, my friend um, Stephanie Webb, who uh, has recently written a book called Use Your Words, it's a very good book. It is available for purchase both locally here in Denver at Awakening as well as online. She's self-published. I'm very proud of her. She's amazing. Dr. S.K. Webb. You can also find her online at unscriptedrelationships.com. Um, quick plug for Stephanie. <laughs> um, she was also uh, on my thesis committee, and she passed me. So there. But she um, studies uh, monogamy and polyamory specifically, and I... I was in a workshop of hers a while back, and I've been polyamorous since I was 15. I've read a lot of, you know, books. I've done a lot of research. I've lived a lot of lifestyle. Um, it's been a, it's been a long time, almost 10 years actually, um, which is really cool. That is a fun anniversary to celebrate. Yes, it um, is. Maybe we should get all of our partners together yeah. and have a dinner. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so we were at this workshop, and Stephanie was talking about some things that are present in non-monogamous people's lives um, and defining a lot of terms. And I would like to spend some time, I think, first defining the terms and then getting more into like what the meat of what I specifically want to talk about is. Um, So I uh, will not use non-monogamous and polyamorous interchangeably because they are different things. Um, Non-monogamous is actually very similar to the term queer or asexual as in it, or non-binary as in it's an umbrella term for gotcha. a whole variety of identities. Polyamorous is one of those identities that falls underneath it. Non-monogamous can range anywhere from um, people who are like so, – so monogamous, right, that's – Two people yes. in a relationship yeah, yeah, with yeah, each yeah. other, yeah, yeah, yeah. often marriage. Exclusively. Um, exclusively. Regardless, it, regardless of marriage or not, exclusivity yeah, exclusively. is, is the... I, I'm just saying like marriage is often the end goal of monogamy sure, in yeah. our society, like hegemonically. Um, and uh, non-monogamous can uh, include identities like um, swingers. Um, there are a lot of people who identify as swingers, and those people don't... Um, engage in like relationships outside of their uh, marriage or relation or exclusive monogamous relationship but they do have sex parties with people or sleep with other couples things along those lines and that is non-monogamous but those people very often don't define themselves as polyamorous and then there's polyamorous which is 
a whole variety of things, right? So it can be like you are in a committed relationship with two other people and that's exclusive. Or it can be you are in a committed relationship with one other person and uh, it's open and you all are not sexually exclusive. So you sleep around, but emotionally and romantically, you're only connected to that person. It can also be um, like... uh, your and my example where we're in a platonic partnership and each of us have other partners Mm -hmm. and that's a thing so um additionally i think at the farthest end of the spectrum which is actually where i identify is uh, relationship anarchy Mm -hmm. which is an identity primarily held by people who are also political anarchists um and the way that i define it personally and have most commonly seen it defined is that you allow your relationship with other people to be whatever the two of you define it as, um, as free from like systemic influence as possible. So there's no pressure to define thing like certain specific actions as uh, platonic or romantic or sexual. It's the boundaries that both of you build together as a unit and decide upon, which I think is really cool. It's based on like consent and not assuming anything about the expectations that you have about the relationship. Um, I think that's really great. I don't think anyone has to feel like they're not polyamorous enough or queer enough if they don't do that. Like, it's just a matter of, you know, um, a combination of, I think, preference as well as um, inherent selfhood. I don't fully know where I land on that. I think a lot of things are choice, and I think a lot of things aren't choice, and it's very deeply complex. So I want to specify also the fact why I am specifically saying polyamorous and not poly. Because poly is actually the term that a lot of Polynesian folks use to refer to themselves, and it is not our term as white people to claim, or because a lot of white people are the ones who are using the term poly and polyamorous. That's a whole other issue. Um, but uh, So polyam is the appreciated shorthand for polyamorous, um, and that's the one that I will probably be using throughout the episode. Um, is why I mentioned that polyamory is sort of associated with white people is that that specific term um, is often associated with sort of the the white academic elite who call their significant other their partner when they're like straight and shit like mm-hmm. those type of people mm-hmm. and that's why I use non-monogamous as like the all-encompassing term because that includes other um, like relationships that are not based on white constructs that are non-monogamous which is also very cool so um the thing that stephanie to bring it back saw said that uh, at her workshop that i was somehow miraculously unaware of blissfully so is that you can be fired in all 50 states for being polyamorous really you are legally um not protected at all for being polyamorous if you disclose your polyus polyamorous identity to an employer they are legally allowed to fire you. Huh. Um, so actually in this state, I am more protected under my trans identity than I am my polyamorous identity. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking shitty. And the fact that... Yeah, that's that, wild. I had no idea. Yeah. And the fact that um, marriage is only allowed between two people, in my opinion, is a method of keeping us under the... Um, you know, capitalist thumb of oppression and limiting people to nuclear family units when that doesn't make any sense fiscally or in terms of cohabitation or in any way possible, especially also in terms of raising children. Like, two people, that's fucked. Um, So anyway, point being, polyamory, discriminated against in our society. Um, Polyamorous people are often seen as, like, uh, loose or slutty or... Fat, loosed and fast, loose morals. Play, uh, loose morals, uh, drinking and drinking and jazz and jazz and, and cigarettes, jazz, jazz cigarettes, cigarettes. Uh, yeah. jazz and its associated cigarettes and sex parties, which yeah, we do. But all of those things are all true. of those things are true. But like that's not all of who yeah. we are. Well, also that's not a reason not to give us a job. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Um. So anyway, yeah, polyamory is uh very discriminated against and also not represented, not represented well in traditional media. And yeah, I something... can't think of a single example of a yeah, like I very distinctly uh, remember or like polyam triad yeah, or yeah. or or above. I just I remember yelling at the L word all the time about why they wouldn't well yeah like the, the whole the whole shane jenny incredible well the whole i was 
hold on. Okay. I was, I was in the middle of saying something. Uh, the whole uh, plot device, the overused plot device of the uh, love triangle is predicated on non-monogamy not being an option like yes the, every single i have i have absolutely no interest in media with love triangles for a wide variety of reasons whoops uh not the least of which i think it's like boring lazy writing and not a yeah. good way to create conflict but also like it's an easily fixable problem when somebody's like i'm in love with both these people i'm like okay see them both then yeah that sounds like an easy solution like Occam's Whatever. razor, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real Occam's razor situation. Real Occam's razor situation. So I was thinking about this um, in terms of also a recent Twitter thread that I saw, and I was just sort of reminded of it. And I realized that um, I don't know how many video games represent polyamory. And I wanted to find out the answer to that question. So I did some research. And the answer is... Not many. In fact, there are no, like, academically or societally, like, citable sources um, that list video games that are polyamorous. It's mostly just, uh, you know, casual uh, observations from, like, somebody who writes a blog or a Reddit thread or anything like that. And nobody has really been like, this is a thing that we need to see. Mm -hmm. And that is really sad to me as a polyamorous person because I feel like um, polyamory and polyamorous and non-monogamous and queer and BDSM uh, identities are quite inextricably linked in terms of our history and breaking uh, sexual hegemony, um, at least in the United States. I don't want to speak to other people's cultures, um, but we're all like in this together and it makes me very sad that this is not something that we're calling for because the more that yeah. we can break down the traditional meaning of what relationships are in this country the more freedom all of us have you know completely and i mean none of those identities to your point are i mean queer is sort of but like queerness is different from gayness and queerness is rarely represented in Yes, Especially in that is also video true. Games. Um, when we're talking, when we talk about video games, we're mostly we're not talking about like I'm sure there's you can buy like games about polyamory on itch.io. Monster Prom is actually one of them, yeah. and uh, that was a listener recommendation from two years ago that I still have yet to play. But you uh, are able to be polyamorous in that game. So yeah, so when we say uh, games, we're talking about like mainstream sort of commercially available mm -hmm. video games for the most part. Um, yeah, and none of those. I mean, there's not like because Western society, I think in general, and, and because of Western colonialism, a lot of societies around the world uh, just don't, like sex is the one thing you can't represent in video games. Like, and mm -hmm. it is, it's the one thing you can't represent in video games. You can have an M rating and have outrageous violence. And M rating is supposedly 17 and up, but like with the advent of guy and games on the internet, there's absolutely no way to verify the age of kids buying M-rated games, which is fine. I'm just saying that like if you show like you show titties in an M-rated game. Yeah, sex is in general the thing that pushes like you can't in a in a You know what I'm trying to say? Sorry everybody. I had a uh ADHD brief ADHD meltdown, um, which is a lot like an autism meltdown, except... Same spectrum. Same spectrum. Yeah. Same spectrum, different uh, different things. It's kind of like I kind of become like a, a, a computer malfunctioning. It just keeps making like a persistent error message. Like I become a computer virus that plays a sound and you cannot fucking figure out how to make the sound stop. And so you have to unplug your entire computer. Uh, and hard reboot it and maybe maybe throw it in the river. I don't understand how computer viruses work. I have mm -hmm. Macs. Um, so, so your point? I'm back and I had an ADHD meltdown and I lost the thread from before, but you should keep talking about polyamory. That's okay. Oh, I was I talking about video games won't let you before. bone. Um, and I was uh, beginning to ask the question, um, I don't think that polyamory, polyamorousness, and queerness, or even necessarily BDSM are inherently tied to sex, nor should they be treated as no, such. No, but However, they are. They, they are by society. That's what I'm saying. You, you were missing that point. You had not said that yet. That's so what I was I trying was to get to, yeah. very concerned about where you were going because well, I think that it's... Well, I told you it's... my brain short-circuited short uh, well, I think completely. that it's inherently dangerous to automatically equate those things, but I think it is even more dangerous almost to not 
associate these those things like yeah. to separate those things mm-hmm. um well but i or I, and i don't think that representing polyamorous relationships in any form of media let alone video games should be inherently sexual no i agree um, i'm i'm saying those are sexualized identities what i was yes. trying to say but my brain was short-circuiting is mm-hmm. that those are hypersexualized identities by the sort of the, the sort of dominant hegemony mm-hmm. but they are and they are inherently sexual but that is not make them all that they are well yeah but but sex is not not for kids we've talked about this i don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast yeah but but we've talked about it outside but we talked about on the post but like children are the thing i'm going to say on the surface sounds really fucked up but stick with me you know what i mean children are sexual this is not to say that i don't think that's fucked up as yeah that is not to say that i am yeah i i am saying children are sexual with each other and that should be in a way that is out, like children left to their own devices will be sexual with each other is yes. what I'm trying to say. Um, when it gets in nowadays, children probably see porn when they're like five. So I don't fucking know how any of them are going to deal with sex or if they'll even live long enough before the earth explodes to um, have adults sure, sure, sure. to have sex. And, but, it, but children like sex shouldn't, Nobody Not, should be protected from sex. Right, exactly. Sex, there is a way to have sexual content in children's media. I think Steven Universe does it yeah. masterfully. Hey everyone, this is producer Aaron here. I just want to let you know there's a trigger warning for rape and sexual assault. If you would like to skip over that, go to 4220. Like, Fusion, there is an episode, uh, a small arc of Steven Universe, that is about rape. It is about a forced fusion and it is talking about like all the language they're using. If you are a person who is familiar with this rhetoric and or a survivor of sexual assault like you and I and a lot of people, I assume, listening to this podcast because statistically a lot of queer people are. So children are. Steven Universe. Steven Universe. And it there you have you only have to watch it for a little bit to go oh my god they're talking about rape they're mm-hmm. for sure yeah, talking about rape i remember rape. that so i'm just saying that there is there is a lot of very sexual content in steven universe but it is not rape is not sexual no totally set i know separately from sorry uh uh heavy and sexual content mm-hmm. uh uh there is a lot of there's so what i'm saying is that fusion is a met- partially a metaphor for sex it's mm-hmm. not entirely cuz like steven fuses with his dad but it's at least partially intimacy yeah, it's I mean, a, it's, we can just yeah. be talking about intimacy. Totally. Here. Totally. I'm just saying that intimacy is also sexualized, I think, yes. by the dominant hegemony. I'm just saying that there is a way to talk about sex for all ages. Yeah, no, I fully and agree. To, and I also yeah. think that, again, we shouldn't necessarily be shielding like young people from content that is sex or that we right. perceive as sex yeah. because of hegemonic rhetoric. So I um, had pulled up this list by... Poly.land, um, which is Sounds, hilarious. It's a daily polyamory blog for navigating life, relationships, and more. I have no idea what the rest of this website is about, so maybe support them, maybe don't. Um, so uh, this was back in 2018, a list of video games that offered uh, polyamory, and we've played some of them. Um, Azure Dreams is the first one. It is a turn-based roguelike RPG. Um, I have never played it, and it was released in 1998 on the PlayStation. Is the list short enough for you to do this for every yes. game? Okay, well, go um, ahead. So there's maybe like five, four. Okay. Um, so the other one is uh, The Sims 3 and The Sims 4. Oh, kind of. Kind because of. Okay. I previously had listed The Sims 3 and The Sims 4 as deeply, unfortunately, not polyamorous when there's so much potential. However, there um, are two ways that one can do it. Um, there are different sorts of, like, traits or rewards that you can get in the sims and for like getting a certain amount of lifetime achievement points or whatever and one of those uh is called stone-hearted and it means that you won't feel sadness or negative emotions including jealousy which sucks and is deeply intimidating (laughs) oh my but if all of your sims have that then you can date multiple people like harmoniously and it's fine so you You can can still only... only get married to one other person and then also there is a reward trait called player in the serial romantic aspiration, life aspiration for the Sim, and that's another way that you won't get jealous. But yes, these are two <laughs> unfortunately named and rather fucked up things. Yeah, you can only do it if you're an emotionless psychopath or a very bad person. Like, you can only do it if you're a, a piece of shit or a psychopath. <laughs> like, yeah. 
So I would, yeah, I would say I take issue with that entry. No, on it's this not. List. I mean, it. You still, you can still do it, but yeah, and but you it can make count? interesting families in the Fair. game. Like if you just kind of automatically give your sim that trait or that aspiration, you, you can, can sort you of can sort of fake, fake it. it. But yeah. I would argue that. F- the ability to fake the game is not the same thing as the game doing that. Because no, you can it's do a not a of... purposeful choice to yeah, include so polyamory. That's what in the I'm game. saying. Yes, I don't think no, that I counts. Agree with I take that. issue it, with but that. But you can play with it as that. So Stardew Valley is another one, and um, I think it's, that one's legit. It, it no, no, kind oh. of. It's oh? it's mixed. This is back in 2018. And I don't know if it's still true today, but you can um, only marry one of your love interests, but you can romance all of them. I don't I know if that has been patched out. But that was purposeful that you can romance everyone and purposeful that you can only marry one. Yeah. I mean, that is the law. Um, the yeah, other one like, is... It's a fantasy I game. know. The, well, are, you might like our next example because our next example is Fable 3, famously one of Aaron and I's <laughs> favorite bad yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can actually marry as many fucking people as you want and God. they can be of any and all genders and people in Fable 3 do have sexualities. Right. You can be heterosexual homosexual or bisexual and those are the three sexualities (laughs) that there are um that's a lie that's a joke they're infinite um but anyway fable three you can be polyamorous your spouses will get jealous so you have to marry people in each town you can't marry more than one person (laughs) per town christ so again i would argue not really so much this is the closest that we have it is the closest that we have but it's, it's still like the 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 jet setting dude with multiple families like well you don't have to play as a man in Fable Three yeah that's true but you you can't let your fucking partners know about each yeah, other yeah no it's not great seems so, a lot more um, like a, a cheating situation perchance but you can marry multiple people so yeah it's legit. you can do that if the law doesn't find out about no the, your, the law you, can find out it's fine here's what I'm saying though in real life you can oh yeah yeah do yeah, that yeah if yeah, the if law the doesn't, doesn't catch you out. so the next one so is the Fallout only 4 famously my favorite game yeah um Fallout 4 the game that I famously love and have never <laughs> said that I hated in my whole game. life my favorite video game, Kai's video game. Um, favorite video game that they've only ever said that about yep you can actually date multiple people in Fallout 4 at the same time have them all live together be dating them have conversations with them about dating them not have conversations with them about your other partners but you know you can just imagine that you're living a yeah don't ask don't tell sort of relationship scenario. but all in the same house but all you in the same house always also. walk around with a newspaper on the side of your face yeah yeah, yeah. it's like real spy shit um yeah. and that's really cool I like that. It's getting there. We're getting closer. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda is another entry on this list, which might be a surprising entry to previous listeners because that is the game that I famously played while fucking opioided out while recovering from my appendectomy. One of the worst video games I've ever played. Yes. um, You can romance and date multiple people. Some characters are cool with it and some aren't. And that, I think, is a better representation of polyamory than we have anywhere else on this list. Yes. And that, besides Persona 5, which is done in a way that I don't fully understand, you can technically woo them all, but then they get freaked out on Valentine's Day or something. I don't know. Um, I haven't finished Persona 5. It's just so long. It's like 120 hours. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. you, you only got like 30 hours games. in on the PS3 and then never restarted it on the PS4, even though I said you were going to restart because you had already made a decision you didn't like because that's how you play video games. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> apparently you can maybe be polyamorous in it, I guess. Um, I guess. So JRPGs anyway. are kind of inscrutable. Uh, yeah, did so, they, I'm surprised they didn't include uh, Kai's glitched copy of Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, my glitched list. copy of Dragon Age Origins was the other thing that I was going to talk about because honest to genuine goddess, um, honest I and had... Honest, honest Andraste, I had the best fucking time being able to be with both, um, I think I was with both Alistair and uh, Morrigan. I know that I was with Morrigan. I think I was with Alistair because I kind of have a soft spot for him, even though I love Zevron more than anything else in this world. You kind of look like Alistair, if, but better. Like if Alistair oh my God, thank you. was well rendered. If Alistair was goth, that's yeah. a very high compliment. Most he- of the fans are absolutely in love with that man. Yeah. It's hot. So anyway, thank you. Um... That was one of the best times of my life, and I later went on to uh, purposefully mod uh, Dragon Age Inquisition so I could date both Iron Bull and Dorian at the same time. Well, yeah, because obviously. Who are um, the best, both just the best. And also definitely fucking each other, so. Oh, yes, they are. If you don't romance either of them, they do start fucking each other, uh-huh. and they talk about it in it's your wonderful. party. yeah. I am so certain that Iron Bull is a huge bottom. 
I think Iron Bowl's a switch, but I think that no, for I Dorian, think a, Iron Bowl is a bottom. No, I don't. I think Dorian is the most bottom bitch, dude. <sighs> Dorian is a bratty bottom. Dorian's a different. Yeah, are you kidding me? Iron Bowl is is a is a stoic top, dude. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding no, me right, right now with no, that? Right. Yeah, that that right, whack wrong ass take. Well, anyway, that game changed my life, and the ability to do that made me very happy because I. I know for a goddamned fact that representation is not the end of the battle, nor is it even honestly something that changes things quickly. Um, It's just a part of the change in growth and progress cycle in terms of social justice and seeing more equity be built. I agree. I would argue that it can change an individual's perspective very quickly. Because one of my favorite examples of that is also with your cousin when we were talking about um, my identity as genderqueer, uh, we used Steven Universe as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, We used Stevani as an example. uh, an, An individual fusion who uses they then there's pronouns and um that's like a good example so kiddos Mm -hmm. can know that there are people who use they then there's pronouns and that's okay Mm -hmm. and um i secretly hope that it made your cousins think of me as a fusion which is really cool yes i think does does not remember who you are that's fine just 10 yes yeah doesn't know fucking anything so anyway i think that with more discussion and honesty and representation of non-monogamy in video games as well as in life, we can get to perhaps a better place in terms of that. Because it's, yeah, something there, needs to to do. There, like, there, any there is yeah, needs to be there is a massive amount of statistic yeah of statistical anomaly in um research that is done on the subject because when sometimes when people do research into cheating they don't specify asking are you in a monogamous or non-monogamous relationship so they're just like have you slept with somebody besides your significant other and people are like yes and they never ask if that's consensual um there is bias in the field of research about monogamy and non-monogamy and uh working on that internal bias in terms of research is one way that we can definitely help with that another way is um i mean honestly i think that being open about your identity is a good important first step in terms yeah, depending of, on who you are yeah yeah depending on who you are and your circumstances if you have the privilege to do so is what and i always i do yeah said. and that's um definitely something that's like you know kind of discussed in the queer community and has been throughout time as we've been fighting for our rights and i also think that um we should start honestly calling lawmakers and saying that this is something that uh, our community needs. Um, I would really love if we were able to get something passed in Denver, Colorado, that specifically gave polyamorous people rights. Yeah, and wild. I would love if it did not specify the right to marriage. I would mm. love if it was making it illegal to fire me for being polyamorous yeah just workplace protections i do not care about the right to marriage i think the right to marriage is a way to win the right to uh be quote unquote normal which sucks and is bad it tamps down everything about your identity and i really don't like that the queer community that the gay community spent so many years fighting for the right to marry because yes it is important and good that we have the same rights as everyone else like i I mean, hypothetically, it's nice to think of the idea that, like, I am equal to somebody else who can get married because that is that the illegal nature of um, of aspects of your identity make it legitimize discrimination against you. However, it's not like I want to get married or join the military and I don't want those rights because I don't want anyone to yeah but and yes and people shouldn't be barred from exactly those no, people one should shouldn't, be barred no one should be barred rights. from those like rights it's a, it's a worthy cause it's just it doesn't affect the day-to-day lives of queer people all yeah. that much uh, queer gay people. everyone and yeah. i think something that could affect the lives of more people is to make it illegal to fire mm-hmm. somebody for being polyamorous i agree i will say that the right to we it is easy for us to sit here and say the right to be married does not affect people all that much but i i bet there is a a big uh, uh especially an older generation of say like older folks with long-term partners who have never been able to receive like they've never been able to receive any like benefits like they can't visit oh don't their, get me wrong as a disabled hospital person. and that kind of thing like yeah like it it is it is 
it does change the day-to-day life of it does yeah my point being is as a disabled person um i actually don't legally have the right to marry disabled people do not have the right to marry especially if we want to maintain medicaid coverage or medicare coverage um that does remove your ability to do so it's super fucked up the fact that disabled people do not have the right to get married so i'm saying don't get me wrong i think that it's fucked up to not have the right to be married and i think that marriage was a part of the battle but i think that we approached it in the wrong way i think that we approached it in a way of um saying these are the normal gays these are the good gays the ones who want to get married and yeah. these are the bad gays who don't care about marriage mm-hmm. and so we're going to work on the rights of these good normal ones and not the rights of these bad abnormal yeah ones. i completely you know agree I, mean? I completely agree that's with that. that's what i'm trying to say with this mm-hmm. i'm not trying to say you're wrong if you want to get married or that you don't deserve the right to be married any of you like you totally do it's just I want it to be more all-encompassing than just marriage or just jobs. Oh, I want yeah. it to be housing equality. I want to be able to buy property with mm-hmm. like fucking 17 people that I'm all all dating or yeah. something. Yeah, like, I, I, you and know? I, I think I get your point. I mean, I completely get your, your point, though, that the, the focus on like polyamorous liberation should come from legal protection. Like, my, fuck marriage, marriage, whatever. I don't really care if I can marry one more than one person or not. But legal protections are the the battle. Like, and as far as it's I don't legal protections and marriage, it's a culture shift, is what. Oh, I'm completely, for, yeah, completely. Know? I'm yeah, completely. Yeah. And uh, I think honestly that um, media and culture is a big part of shifting culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with this thing specifically, I think I don't I don't know this to be true, but I feel like this thing, like right now, it would be a shift from absolutely zero representation Mm -hmm. like the the idea of the love triangle reaches back around and like the 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 rom-com and romance movies and romance stories like fuel the way our society interacts with relationships yeah because think about how you learn to model you learn from your parents and if you're like me and you don't really have a a good model in your parents or like your parents get divorced at a very young age so Mm -hmm. you all you never sort of marriage doesn't mean much you know from the get-go it uh, means like media is where you get that teaching and that mirroring. Sure, sure. And, it's, and I think a lot of kids, especially in our generation, are like that. There's a lot of kids who, who sort of latchkey kids, but the latchkey kids of the internet, who sort of got a lot of our ideas about how to exist in this world from media. And this whole podcast is about that, right? Yeah. And so I think we are not the only people nor are we particularly an aberration because we form a lot of our ways of interacting with the world from mirroring media. I think everyone does that. It's just whether you're a big nerd about it or not. And so I think just eliminating the trope of the love triangle and even just eliminating that would be pretty great to, to sort of remove this huge reinforcer of jealousy in relationships. And then on top of that, replacing it with oh I'm gonna just be with both of these people and it's all chill like or at the very least I can be like friends with you know whatever just making it chill um that by itself would would both potentially spark and signify a huge culture shift no, totally I'd be I'd be a huge fan if especially the new L word didn't do that <laughs> but I haven't watched it yet and I'm pretty sure they did already because that's how the L word do yeah I heard it was um, bad yeah I've we haven't same. watched Generation Q yet uh, yeah we heard uh, it was bad. Vote Bet Porter I guess I guess <laughs> if you must if you I had must. a dream last night I told Kai oh, this. Oh, no, 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 no more, no more, no more world, world news. We're having fun this here. This isn't, I just, I'm just saying, I just had a dream that I had to hang out with Joe Biden and it Which sucks. sucks. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm not I, talking right. about anything. I'm just saying I had a dream I that know, I had to hang out with just, Joe Biden and it sucks. That's another stressful point for some people. Um, I had a dream last night, um, and this is everyone's favorite content, the part of the podcast where you talk about our dreams, that I had to go to a dinner party at Hannah's parents' house, but nobody told me that it was a dinner party (laughs) beforehand, and also your best friend Taylor was there, and that was great. I loved that. Um, But we were smoking weed in your childhood bedroom that was not your childhood bedroom, and I had worn like a black t-shirt and fucking jorts, and I came out of your bedroom stoned, and there was tons of very nice nicely dressed people and your parents were there and well that's your worst nightmare so bad yeah it was like a real you have so yeah you have so much anxiety about not being what the correctly dressed yes i do and i also have so much anxiety about making your parents hate me 
which is impossible. They which like is you, impossible. They like they you so me. much better than they like me, and that's definitely not a joke. E- yeah, no, that was that was a bad dream. But anyway, um, anyway, point being, we both had stressful dreams last night, and I wasn't there to help because I was too busy trying to fucking entertain Joe Biden, who was so boring. Yeah, you actually mysteriously weren't there the whole time. I'm telling you, I had to entertain Joe Biden. Yeah, normally, actually, the interesting thing is Hannah and I uh, also hang out in dreams. We hang out all day in real life, and then we also <laughs> hang out in our dreams, and that's. I think, certainly mixed yeah i think it's it's because you went to bed way earlier than me i mean no yeah it, it happens more when we go to bed around the same time I no think. it's true it does it does it does but i do truly believe that we interact in our dreams sometimes yeah completely. i mean it's like that episode of spongebob it's exactly like that episode of spongebob thank you hannah for referencing a millennial classic <laughs> so this has been if it's gay we play um a podcast where we're working really hard on ourselves and we, we went outside after you. I had my ADHD meltdown and, and had a, a real, I had a real stern talk with myself and God and Jesus. About, yeah. um, and you're going to take some time with yourself and, and God and Jesus and your microphone. And, and my new roommates, uh, the, the dog, uh, orbit and the or cat, the... the cat, Napoleon, Napoleon dynamy out. Yes. An excellent title. A very good kitty cat. And I our assume. future un- unnamed cat. Probably cat just parentheses. cat. Yeah, probably cat at this point. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, this has been If It's Gay We Play. Thanks for being patient with us. We really are going to be back on this. We weren't. We were only gone for like three weeks this time, not like several months. But um, you don't know that yet. You don't know that yet. Thanks to uh, Aaron. Oh, for actually first first order of business follow us on social media um we are at gay gamers with a z g-a-y-g-a-m-e-r-z on instagram twitter and facebook kai is decently active on twitter um yes. kai is mostly active on the social medias because it yes i'm uh, mostly active on only on the twitter yeah and i i when i'm paying attention to it i interact with the instagram more anyway um those are the social medias you can find us on you can email us at if it's gay we play at gmail.com we would love to hear any thoughts you're welcome to send us thoughts articles uh thoughts about stuff we've disagreements hurt feelings call call ins call uh, outs well, mostly call ins i'm not i accept call outs that's fair i i i accept a a, a rational call out which is rare um in in the internet i'm just saying i i've been on the internet for a long time i'm a big fan of call-ins on digital media i gotcha but whatever you need to do uh if we fuck up tell us and and if we do something fucking amazing tell tell us us. and if we're also mediocre please let us know i guess yeah it would be it would be kind of wild to like i want to get a i want to get an email that just says dear kai and hannah this was okay your podcast is just okay your podcast is okay. Because I cannot imagine, like, imagine the type of person who both feels extremely lukewarm about so a podcast. So strongly ambivalent. And feels compelled to write an email about it. So please write into us that you this podcast so is okay. You so mediocre that you were almost extraordinarily mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be true neutral, the true neutral of podcasts. Mm-hmm. So interact with us. We love that. And thanks to, oh, you should like, rate, and subscribe to us on places where you can do that. You should uh, subscribe on Spotify. Uh, you should like and rate and review us on um, Apple, Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. You should, you wherever. Should, you know, wherever things happen. Wherever things happen, you should do that. Um, you should expect more content moving forward. For real this time, we're, get, we're, we're getting there. We're zoning in. Um, thanks to Aaron for, uh, producing this podcast and for our theme song and thanks to stick poke production stick network, poke production which network. we are founding members of. You, you can listen to out. other shows on the network, such as by the grace of pod hot, hot. and no exit, a show that is co-hosted by Hannah Me. and, uh, erstwhile guest of this podcast, windy, windy. war zone. Hannah Hell. No Exit is a podcast. Let me try to describe it, please. Okay. No Exit is a podcast, a comedy podcast about horror that is about neither not comedy horror movies. It's about horror comedies. It's about it's about Sometimes horror it movies. It's about horror comedies. But though. that's not all the time. Not it's all about the time. it's about horror movies uh, hosted <laughs> by a person who loves horror and a person who used to hate horror but actually finds it kind of enjoyable now. Now that she's processed through some but of her trauma with it. But still hasn't seen like any, any of, of it. it. So you're watching it all for the first time and, and y'all are reacting prefers, to it in real time. Yeah. I and, generally prefer not to watch movies in general. Yes, actually. this is true. It actually is so difficult for me to get Hannah to watch movies, even ones that I know that she will 
love because they are gay and wonderful. Because I just um, don't like watching movies. Because you just movies. don't like watching movies. But, uh, fuck. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we watch horror movies. No, this is, this is a really important point that I need to get out and I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's sexual. Mm. Wendy has the best horror trivia that I have ever heard in my life. She knows so much about the movies, and she knows so many fun things about the people related to the movies. That was the fucking important point that I had to make. It was just about how I'm a fan of your podcast. I listen to it live and record it every week. Sick. It's because I love the sound of your voice. Aw, thanks, bud. Yeah. So that's been the podcast. Thanks for listening to it. Uh, We love you. And keep playing gay. And keep being games. And And fuck fuck shit shit up. up. Goodbye. Goodbye.